Uh, Psalm 18, it's the sermon text today. And this one is a longer psalm. It's one of the longer, longest psalms uh, we've done this summer. Might be helpful to keep your finger uh, along the passage as we, as we go along. Hear now the word of God from Psalm 18. To the choir master, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of the song to the Lord on the day when the Lord rescued him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on the cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. Thick clouds, dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens. And the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out, of, out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. With the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord, my God, lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way, is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? 
the God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me and those who hated me, I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of nations. People whom I had not known served me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation. The God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me who delivered me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You rescued me from the man of violence. For this, I will praise you, O God, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and to his offspring forever. Thus the word of God, let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a great and wondrous passage of Scripture. There are many, many joyous words in this psalm, Father. We pray that you would reveal it to us by your Spirit, that you would be working in our hearts as we hear your word, words of my mouth, meditations of all of our hearts together. We ask that they would be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is one of the longest psalms that we've studied this summer, as I said, and it's also Communion Sunday. And so we won't be able to cover all of the facets of this psalm today. But as we read this psalm, you may have already been able to see some of the comfort and hope that this psalm has to offer. The psalm is full of David's rejoicing after the victory over his enemies. And it says in the beginning of the psalm, God is our rock. And it's full of the exclamation of God's wonder and the glory that David is exulting in, that he is revealing through this psalm. He is one who belongs to God, who is found in God. But as we read this psalm, you may have felt as if this level of exuberance is out of touch with reality. It seems that it's as if David has been saved miraculously out of some distress, out of uh, some horror, and he has been saved by the supernatural working of God. God has plucked him out. 
If you read it this way, it can be hard to understand what's going on here and how it relates to you and me this morning. After all, we don't regularly see the clouds parting, God descending in a great thunderstorm, casting out hail, lightning to save us from an office argument or not being able to find a space in the parking lot. While I may say that tongue in cheek, there's a certain sense where even the little things in life don't seem to match up with this psalm, with this representation of how God reaches out and saves his people. But whether you are feeling encouraged by the reading this morning or if you're feeling doubt in how it relates to you, I want to assure you that this psalm does indeed have much to do with you today. At first glance, I feel that I am not like David in this text in the sense that I'm not faithful, I'm not righteous, I fall short, I forget to cry out to God. But I am like David in the sense that he was just as broken as me. He needed God just like me. We're both in need of help and salvation. And God provides the salvation that we need. This psalm is so laden with hope because David understood that God was his only refuge and that he trained his heart to run to God for help. If I want or if we want to find hope in God, no matter the circumstances that we're in, we have to learn to see who God is, to see how great a God we serve and train our hearts to run to him. We can run to him and he will bring us salvation. He is a good God, he's a faithful God. And because of his, his faithfulness, he makes me and you faithful and able to obtain the victory that he has already obtained, already secured on my behalf. Because God is faithful, we can be faithful in Christ. Because God is faithful, we can be faithful in Christ. We're gonna see this by looking at some of the main themes in Psalm 18. The first thing, the first theme that carries throughout this psalm is about the nature of our Lord and our God. He is our rock and salvation. What does David say about our great God? What does David say about the, this Yahweh, this covenant Lord of Israel? The psalm opens and closes with exclamations about the nature of God and his goodness. Verse 2 says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, back to back to back. Ultimately, all of these attributes are pointing to what David says in verse three, God is our salvation. I'm saved from all my enemies. And again, at the end of the Psalm, David talks about God being the living God the blessed rock, the God of salvation who gives justice and rescues us from our enemies. Moreover, throughout the entire psalm, David dwells on the many depictions of God's power and glory as he comes to rescue. In response to David's cry to God, who dwells in his holy temple, God brings all manner of power to save his beloved he is like a mighty beast, thundering and quaking the earth, breathing out fire, flying on the wings of a cherub, 
making darkness his covering and sending forth hailstones and coals of fire before him as he comes to save you. Not only does God act in his great power, he also has great love for his beloved children. The language David uses here in Psalm 18 is reminiscent of the language in Psalm 23, where David talks about the relationship between the God shepherd and his people sheep. The language of my God, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, depicts the sweet and gentle care that God shows his people. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God is not far off or distant. Well, I'm sure at times David felt that he was hiding, as he was hiding from his enemies, that God was far off. But now looking back, David sees that God was with him through those trials. He sees that the, the deliverance from his enemies is only due to God being with him. God pursuing him, God rescuing him. And like we've seen in other Psalms, this relationship goes both ways. God doesn't break forth from his temple and launch his rescue until David cries out in verse three, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I'm saved from my enemies. In verse six, in my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. God longs for and waits for us to cry out to him. Talked about this before in sermons that we studied in the past, but something that I want to keep driving home. And as I was thinking this about this, I was thinking about uh, when, we were, when I was younger, we would watch sometimes Who Wants to Be a Millionaire as a family. Contestants would sit across from the game show host and answer multiple choice questions from the host with increasing difficulty to try to win a load of cash. It was great to try to guess the answers and feel like obviously I would have won all the money if I was sitting in that chair. Uh, thinking this, of course, while under no pressure, glossing over the times when I almost got it right. Anyways, one of the unique parts of the show is that if the contestant got stuck, they would have a lifeline. They would have the option to phone a friend who this friend might know the answer, might not know the answer, but they had the option to get some help and that friend would give their best guess. As a child, I always wondered how, how did they get the friend? How did they ring up a random friend and know that they would answer right away? This baffled me as a child. And of course I had to look it up. Um, they did it various, various ways throughout the, the show, but um, early on they would have the, the friend on notice at home. And so the friend would have to sit waiting by the phone just in case they would get a phone call from their friend. And this went on well for a while until about 2010 when friends started using Google to quickly look up the answers and then they would give the right answer. The friend that we have has more than just Google. 
Our God longs for us and wants us to call out for him, and he is ready to come to our aid. And he doesn't just come in and give us the right answer. He comes in and directs our path, guides our steps, and ultimately wins the whole thing for us. While God's working is often hidden from our view, he is right now rescuing you from your enemies. Those enemies may be literal or figurative. They may be outside of your control or in your very heart, but he is powerful and strong to save. God may not send out a great storm to save you out of your suffering. You may not see the enemies cast down by God's great power like David did, but God is pursuing you with the same passion and same commitment, the same power and covenant love that he's shown here to David. He is the same God of power. So God is eager to pursue you, but we have a problem. In our sinful natures, we cannot stand in the presence of God. Our problem, which we see arise out of Psalm 18, is simply that we are not faithful. We are not righteous. If we desire to cry out to God for salvation in the same way that David cries out, we must understand why David is able to do so. So the second theme that we see in Psalm 18 is God's faithfulness to the faithful. One of the particular joys of reading the Psalms is that they all often also have literary beauty. They're, they're Psalms, they're songs, they're beautifully written. And Psalm 18, for example, is written in a chiastic structure. It's a fancy term. Basically, what that means is that themes are presented as you go along throughout the chapter until the climax, the middle of the chapter. And then those themes are bookended. They're repeated until the end of the psalm. It kind of gives a stair-step uh, stair formula where you go to one theme, then to the next theme, then to the climax, and then you go back down. Well, we see that in Psalm 18. Psalm 18 opens with praise and adoration to God, and that's bookended in verses 46 through 50 with more praise and adoration. Then, excuse me, then in verses 4 through 19, David tells the story of his distress and God's deliverance, which is echoed again in verses 30 through 45. And in verses 20 through 29, we see the climax of the psalm. This is the, the main point. This is what David wants you to get out of the psalm. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. How many of us can say that God has dealt with us according to our righteousness, according to the cleanness of our hands? Is it not that we should say, oh God, do not deal with me according to my righteousness. Do not reward me according to the cleanness of my hands. We do not keep the law of God as we ought. We do not observe his rules. I think of other places in the Psalms where the various psalmists talk about the law and how fundamental it is to their being. Psalm 1 verse 2 says of the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And in Psalm 119, oh, how I love your law. 
It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. Sobering to read these verses. We need to be careful. Watch out for the deceptiveness of sin. You can be charging ahead, assured that what you're doing is just and right. But too often our actions are fear-based or self-protective and comfort-driven. You can be confident that you are pleasing God while you are really doing what breaks his heart. Even the enemies of David in Psalm 18 thought that they were following God. Some, of course, some of David's enemies were Philistines, but others were fellow children of Abraham that had substituted their own plan for God's decreed will. And when God came in judgment, they had no one to cry to because they did not know their God. Do you know your God? How are we to read these verses then? David, like all humans, Humanity did not have any righteousness in and of him, himself, no righteous inherent to his own actions. He's not saying here, God, I'm a good person, so you have to be good to me. But David is truthful in saying that he's righteous. But it's the righteousness that was given to him. Verse 27 says, God saves the humble, but the haughty eyes he brings down. God is the savior of David. God is the justifier of David. God counts David as righteous because of the promises that he has made to his people. This righteousness is found innate in only one person, and that is Jesus, our savior, the Messiah of David, the Messiah whom David believed in. You may have already heard the echoes of the perfect Messiah King in these verses. For all his rules were before me and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him and kept myself guilt from guilt, verses 22 to 23. And the only one who could truly confess this is Jesus. Indeed, in Matthew 5, Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And fulfill them he did. He fulfilled the law and remained unstained from sin. He understands all our sufferings and yet remains holy and righteous to God. God is faithful to the faithful one. He is faithful to Jesus. And God is faithful to Jesus to count all who believe in him as righteous. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because it is the blood of Jesus, his son, that cleanses us from our sin. So God is faithful to the faithful one, Jesus. And because of Jesus, God is faithful to the faithful ones who are found in him. If you are in Christ, you can rightly say with David, my hands are clean and my reward is great. While there are many parts of the reward, many aspects of our rewards in Christ. Our third point this morning focuses on one particular aspect, victory and relief. So the third theme that we'll look at from Psalm 18 is true victory, both now and forever. 
one of the most challenging struggles for Christians, so we wait for the coming Christ, is connecting the dots between the already and the not yet. David speaks in Psalm 18 of victory. He's looking back and seeing the battles won. I'm sure that nearly everyone in this room can think of something in their immediate life that they wish was over. Some battle with sickness, strained or broken relationship, an addiction that you can't seem to beat. It's hard to find hope in these things. But on the other hand, I can say with full confidence that God will reconcile all things. God has promised to remove every tear. And that includes each and every circumstance that we're struggling with today. God will one day, even if we have to wait for his return, he will make these battles won. So the challenge for us this morning is to wrestle with the limbo. Try to understand how to connect the dots between David's victory and our present struggles. The first step towards a solution is to see that you are not alone. While God eagerly longs for you to cry out to him, that doesn't mean that he's waiting idly by, watching your world implode, just wishing that you would cry out to him. He's not an impotent God. Indeed, God is working in your soul to create that longing, a desire to cry out to him. And more than that, he is directing the circumstances of your struggle to work miraculous growth, a new life in your soul. Not only is God with you, but you are also surrounded by others who have gone through or are going through battles of their own that are very similar to yours. Even David, though he looks back on the victories won, was not without his own struggles going forward. He speaks of victory accomplished because he knows that it is as good as done. We do not struggle alone. But we hold one another up in prayer and encouragement, teaching one another that God is faithful and there is hope even in the darkest of days. If you are suffering or struggling alone, don't. Your brothers and sisters around you are God's grace to you. You need your brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside you. This is a huge reason for why we have the scriptures in the first place, so that we can see and have the witness of saints that have gone before us many centuries, many generations. And they testify to us the truth and the hope that we have in Christ. The second step towards the solution is to ground yourself on the rock of your salvation. Verses 31 through 32 says, for, God, for who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. David's speaking of this God who is his full assurance. Ground yourself in the ways of the Lord. Study his word and hold yourself fast to his ways. God's truth and grace is stronger than the weapons of flesh and blood. If you rely only on your strength, you will not make it very far. 
The soul was made to be in communion with God. Without him, we will only find emptiness and despair. The third step towards the solution is to be steadfast in battle. Do not let your weariness have the last word. True, there are days when it feels like you don't even have the strength to breathe, let alone fight. God says you have hope even there. Your weakness does not negate God's promises. Even David was on the brink of death, on the brink of eternal destruction. As he says, the cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol, hell, entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. Yet God sustained him and brought him through. In verses 33 through 34, we see, He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. God is not done with you yet. Start each new day by being trained by the Spirit. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let thankfulness be your morning song. Finally, do not forget that the Lord, your God, is a living God. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast or hesed love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. To his offspring, that is Christ, his anointed Messiah. We are bound in Christ. We are secure in him. We have that victory, that forever victory, because our Savior has already won it. God is faithful to the faithful one and to all those who are found in him. Let's pray. Oh, great God, we thank you for your faithfulness to David and to his offspring forever. We thank you that Christ, the offspring of David, is the faithful one. And that in him all the fullness and the promises that we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament find their yes and amen. God, we thank you for our Savior and that in him we are counted not as those who are enemies of God. But we, are we are counted as your beloved children, as those who are faithful, those who are pure, those with clean hands who can cry out to you and say, God, rescue us. Rescue us according to the cleanness of our hands. For the cleanness that we have is the cleanness of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.